Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns 
into breakthroughs and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with a great friend of mine, someone I connected with who immediately felt like brothers Mm. with a story where I sit and I go, dude, I have not met many people who have a story similar to mine who've been able to come out of this. Derek Fay, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, brother. Good to finally connect. It's been a, it's been a little bit. We've tried to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, that's how this goes, man. You're, <laughs> it is. you're busy. You're in the world. Same. And I, I look at life as divine timing. Mm. When it is meant to be, it will indeed Agreed. be. Agreed. When we initially connected, gosh, it might have almost been close to a year ago at this point, maybe. Or was it this? It might have been this this spring, actually. I think maybe six months. Yeah, I think it was this spring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember you and I, we were standing outside of the Wynn Hotel. That's right. And we had like a four-minute conversation mm-hmm. before we hopped in a truck with our great friend Flex Lewis. Yep. But- overly sized truck, to say the least. <laughs> to say the and, least. <laughs> and we, we all went out for the evening. And the short conversation we had was enough for me to be like, this is a man who has been literally through hell and back yeah. and yet has somehow figured out how to step into this life. And li- likewise. Yeah. I felt the same way. Very yeah. much so. And so, Derek, I'm so curious. Tell mm-hmm. me, what is something that I would need to know about you to understand who you are? Well, I guess we start at the beginning, right? I think I guess we start uh, where I grew up. So I was born in the smallest state I'm sorry, the smallest town in the smallest state in the country. So I was born in Wesley, Rhode Island, quickly moved to uh, North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And uh, my mom and uh, dad got divorced when I was pretty young, maybe about a year old. Um, good mom, good, good father. Um, unfortunately, my mom got remarried uh, a couple of years later to a man um, that was a monster in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had uh, my sister, half-sister, and so from the age of probably, I would say, four until 11 or 12, um, we endured the most horrific abuse, torture, physical, mental anguish you could imagine. Um, and, uh, and when we f- my mom finally got the courage uh, to get us out of it for the 12 months preceding that, he actually chased us around the state of Florida. I'm sorry, Florida, sorry, state of Rhode Island. Um, set her car on fire, shot windows out. So it was, it was a journey um, that completely debilitated the rest of my family. Um, both my siblings um, went to prison for substantial amounts of time because they mm-hmm. hid behind, I don't want to say hid behind, but they covered their pain in drugs, alcohol, lashing out, things like that. Um, and for, I guess, a variety of reasons, um, luck certainly one of them in some ways, um, I, I just went a different way. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that I think about in those scenarios is this, the massive negative impact that that has on a child. And, yes. and you see, obviously your siblings went down a path very opposite of yours. Mm-hmm. I was heading down that path to where I looked at my life at one point And it was just, I was so numb from the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and the fast cars. And the spending money, where at 25, man, I was, 
You know when people tell you they're like, I feel like I'm about to die? Sure. And they're like six months away and they're like, I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. That was me at 25. Oh. I was either going to kill someone and be in jail for the rest of my life. Or yourself. Or I was going to kill myself. Yeah. And in that window, I put a gun in my mouth. Oh, wow. And so you look at these experiences that I think one of the things, especially as men, and I'm, we're going to dive into this a yeah. little bit today, that that I think really gets dismissed is this idea that we should just get over it, let it mm. go, man up, don't cry, don't be a don't be a pussy. All the things that people of our generation have sure. grown up with and we hear every single day. And when you look at your life, dude, you have every reason on planet Earth to not have any success as a man, as a father, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, but most importantly, just as a human being. What were the tolls that those experiences you had in childhood played in your life? I would say, I mean, so many, right? But when I look for, because the way that my brain thinks, I always bookend things. I mean, I always look at where things started. And then I try to find out either where the end of it is or where it will be. And for me, the end of it was 2019. And so what I mean by the end of that is that's when I, for the first time in my life, felt like I was actually addressing all of my demons. And so we're talking 30 years. And so although I was, by every appearance, very successful and very happy, I was completely empty uh, and never present in any moment. And I buried my pain and I buried everything about what had happened in this pursuit of more security because I never had security. Mm, one of so, the human needs. That's right. And so because during that time, I, unlike my family members, was able to turn off what was going on. When you turn off emotions and feelings for so long, you don't get to just turn them back on. You do not. Right. And so... I would have told you even four or five years ago that I was fine. It didn't affect my life, but I was crazy wrong. It affected everything mm. about me. What does that mean? Um, I don't think I knew how to love completely. I certainly didn't know how to accept love completely. I was, not to play on words, but I was on the inside at least completely empty and broken. Mm -hmm. I had learned how to present a different, uh, a different image of myself to the world because I had to do that as a little kid because we had yeah. a deep, dark secret. And so mm -hmm. I became beautiful at disguising pain and what was really going on. And so again, when you're acting at that level from four to 12, which are formative years, it's not surprising that as an adult, you can pretend to be super happy when in, mm -hmm. in fact you're not. And so that cost me relationships, cost me marriage, um, cost me a lot of things. And then I, I mentioned 2019, I found myself getting a divorce um, on the heels of COVID, massive home, more money I could ever imagine. Here I am alone. Mm -hmm. And luckily, for the first time, I, I faced... I really faced what uh, was broken in me. And I spent a year doing work on yeah. myself and accepting, like you said, all of the things um, that I had just pushed away. And it's still a process. But now, four years later, I'm the best version of me that I've ever been, mm. which allows me to be that for my friends, my family. And then not surprisingly, since now I'm becoming the best version of myself, no surprise, I found myself now surrounded by amazing people as well. That's right. This energy. That's right. A hundred percent. You see it all the time. Yes. Go, go look at your romantic partner. 
Go look at your yep. friends. Go look at your business associates. Yep. Wherever you are will be a reflection of that. That's I right. guarantee it. Yep. You, you pointed to something that I think we don't talk about enough. And that's that children who come from households like what you and I have come from, we learn to be masterful liars. Yep. Derek, I am arguably the greatest liar of all time. Sure. Because that's what I was trained to do. Had to. It's like, imagine you see kids who grew up in these environments of running around toting AK-47s. Right. They're incredible at murder. That's right. Because that's all they've been exposed to. Yep. And in my home, man, if you told the truth. That's right. The pain. The beatings, the lashings, the cuts and burns on my body sure. from speaking the truth. It's like these scars we carry forever. You learn quick. And there's something you do learn. This is what's so f***ed up about it because you learn it even though it's not right. Agreed. It's not the thing you should be learning, mm -hmm. right? You should be learning love and compassion, empathy, hope, joy, yep. familiarity, companionship. And yet you learn arguably a thing that cripples you, which you experienced. Mm -hmm. If I lie, I am safe. I write down my goals all the time, constantly. One of my goals every day I write down is be honest. Mm. One of my number one value in life yep. is honesty. And it's the hardest thing I've had to train myself to do. So I'll, I'll put a spin on that, which please. I agree, which is for me, it was be honest with myself. That's where I was going. Okay. And so. What I want to know from you, and I want to go deep into this, because yeah. this is a place of massive stuckness for people. Yeah. How the hell do you be honest with yourself? Oh, God, it, it, it's probably the hardest thing. Uh, and it's still something that I work through. And it's something that I constantly have to remind myself because I wasn't, I wasn't a bad person, but I was a bad person to myself. Mm, what does that mean? Um... I treated myself really badly. Now, I didn't have addiction, but I certainly buried myself in negative things, especially earlier in my life. Um, and some of it was alcohol and some of it were drugs. I never got to the point where it was addiction or hurt my life, but it doesn't mean it was healthy. And so what I mean by that was whether you have one drink or a hundred, if you're doing it to cover up real feelings, you're hurting yourself in a way that I couldn't appreciate until today. Mm. And so... And honestly, sometimes I did it to avoid happy stuff. I had the hardest time enjoying happiness because it made me uncomfortable. Spending Christmas with the other side of my family, who is like the white picket fence, beautiful American family who love each other and kiss, made me uncomfortable for the majority of my life. Mm, how could it not? How could it not? That's right. And so as you're in that, I mean, when, when you get into this place of, of honesty, mm. what, the, I think there's a, I'm going to put this in a, a odd way, but it's the only way yeah. I know how to convey it. There was a price I had to pay for being honest and, and not necessarily in like a horrible way or in a bad way, but like there was a toll. Mm. And a lot of that was having to uncover the demons that I had and to be, sure. I wasn't public about any of this stuff when what I started was I? this journey. Yeah. Right. Of course. But it was like, I had to go and sit in these spaces with other humans and be like, this is who I actually am. Right. And I've been hiding. I've been wearing this mask. What was it like for you to start taking that mask off? Uh, frightening. Yeah. And again, for me, it was more internal because I don't think that many people that knew me then and know me now even can tell so much of a difference. Mm. But I 
I feel the difference. I had fooled myself my entire life. You know, the, what is that expression? The greatest lie you tell is the one you tell to yourself. Um, I was operating from a place of pain and, and a lot of times selfishness. And I say selfishness because I, and I say this now, um, I consider myself to be a great father. Like it's the, it's the, my greatest accomplishment in life. Mm. But until probably three or four years ago, I wasn't even doing my daughters a service as a father. And I don't know that they felt it, but I felt it because I was manufacturing feelings in moments when I should have been like omnipresent and I was just kind of there faking mm. my way through the feelings. Um, so when I, when I think about like the emotional capacity that we have, mm. I, I truly believe this. If you can't feel all emotions, you can feel no emotion. I agree with this. And it gets trained out of you. It gets beat out of you. It yes. gets stolen from you. When, when you were a child, I want to go back to this because I, I really want to map this yeah. to your success. Because yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people jump over all of the impact of the past and go to Derek, super successful guy now. And they forget yeah. that it, it's not always like that. Rarely. What, one of the things I, I struggled with tremendously was like the relationship with my mother. I, I felt, and even to this day, that she played a huge role in lack of responsibility in the men that she brought into our lives. What, what was your relationship like with your mother then? And what were your thoughts like in real time about the, the men who were in your life, especially your stepfather? Um, I had this weird relationship with my mom and that's changed now. We can, we can get to that, but I would have, I would, I thought it was my job to die for my mom. Mm. I thought it was my job as a little boy to be the man of the house. Cause I was leaned on in that capacity. I was taught to have to save the family. Um, it was a responsibility that would wear down a grown man, never mind a child. But what happened was to avoid it destroying me, I started to wear it as my badge of honor. And so it gave me an identity that was super, super unhealthy and created attachments that were really unhealthy to my mom and distanced me from everyone else in my life. And so while I had a, a very healthy environment that um, on the other side, although I wasn't there very much till I got a little older that I could have retreated to instead of doing that because I had these crazy unhealthy attachments to the negativity and the pain and the suffering and, and, and helping her, um, that it, in my opinion, it prolonged the suffering for myself mm. far longer than it should have. I read this book. Uh, do you know Neil Strauss is? Yeah. Yeah. So Neil wrote, if you don't know Unbroken Nation, he's an author and he used to write for the Rolling Stone and yeah. he's written tons of autobiographies with people. He wrote a book called The Truth. And in The Truth, he had very similar relationship with his mother as you do. And as I did, yeah. where it was like, we were forced to be the man of the house and we were often forced to provide in a lot of different ways, even emotionally for our own for mother. Sure. Sure. And I read this term in this book, Derek, and it, but it changed my life forever. And it's called emotional incest. I know the term. <laughs> and, and I remember sitting and reading that line in that book yep. and being like, oh wow. my God, this explains so much. Yeah. It wasn't physical incest, but it was like, you're the boy turning into the man, protect, provide yep. things of that nature. When, when you look at your relationship with yourself understanding that because you just had a massive reaction to that yeah 
What have you had to learn about who you are to navigate that? What have you had to let go? Like, what has the journey been in that? Um, well, I think it, it hurt a lot of my early relationships. Um, I, because I was, because I had this unhealthy relationship with my mother, female figure, I carried that into my other relationships. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly, um, the impact that it had, but it's clear to me that the reason I've had failed relationship after failed relationship is rooted in that unhealthiness. Um, so that's one of those things that I honestly, and I'm really straightforward with, with everybody. Um, there are some things that I've landed on and feel really secure in saying, Hey, here's why that's one of those things that I'm still kind of unpacking. Mm. Um, my mother and I have cut ties about two, two and a half years ago. So I've just now been able to start to create some space where I think I'm going to be able to find those answers. Mm. But I'm curious what your take is. So my thought on it, Derek, is when I look back at my relationship with my mother, and I'll, I'm going to share a story here. Yeah. Obviously, Unbroken Nation, you guys know this story, but I will give you context. When I was 18, I told my mother, I will never talk to you again. Wow. So one night she had attacked me and my mother had hit me a million times. Right. And you, you know how this goes, mm -hmm. but this one particular night and dude, look, I'm six foot four, two twenty. I never touched my mom one time. And this night she attacked me. I mean, she was just out of control and I pushed her to the ground and I stood over her and I said, if you ever touch me again, I'll kill you 18. And at 18. And Derek, I meant it, dude, I was sure. just so done. Yeah. And I said, you're not my mother. I'll never talk to you again. And until she died when I was like 24, yeah. I think I saw her twice. Wow. And Derek, it was the hardest thing I've ever, ever, ever had to do, right? Because mm. that love, that thing that we feel that we're built and bonded and born right. into, it's genetic. It's yeah. literally in us. Yeah. And I look at that moment and today, there's no way I'd be here with you without making that decision. Those yeah. boundaries are incredibly difficult though. And so as I, I started doing this work and getting deep into this and, and coming across data and learning words like emotional incest, I was just like, how do I heal this? How do I have a healthy relationship? Yeah. And, and it's something to this day, I'm like you, I'm always working through always. And so it's just a journey, man. Yeah. You know, it's curious as you were saying that, I think I found something which was I always felt like because i felt it was my responsibility to save and and prevent what was going on and obviously i failed at it because i couldn't stop it as a child and so that created a sense in me where i went out and looked for women that i could save mm, same and that never works out what did you look for um you know i, I don't know now I know that I looked for it, yeah. but then I thought it was what I was drawn to. And mm -hmm. I was drawn to women that I could, I'm the guy that's successful. I've got money. I want to take care of you. Don't worry about all your problems. And as you get to know it, the more problems they began to unpack, the more I was like, I, I've got this. Mm -hmm. Now almost like this is my chance to do as an adult what I couldn't do then. Mm -hmm. And of course that never ends well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you become a superhero. But you, but you fail and you fail gloriously. Yeah. <laughs> gloriously. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, what's in really funny about that too is, and I don't know if this is true for you. I, I would step into those relationships. I mean, I, 
I never had a physically volatile relationship, no. thank God. No. But dude, the emotional oh. abuse of these relationships, both ways, yep. I claim my part in this sure. every single time I say this, was insane. Yeah. And it was just like, the more we could hurt each other, that must mean we love each other. Hmm. And it was just like, the more that I can push back and the more that you can pull away, the more that this must mean we love each other. Mm. And it's like the most backwards thing on planet earth, but it's so trained into us. Sure. Right. Cause we, I don't know about you, but I felt like lo my lung of language was violence. Mm. Me, I, I took it. I never, I never gave it back. Mm. So I'm, it's curious to me cause I'm sitting here, you know, it's been, I don't open up about this stuff all the time. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm opening up, I call it the box. Yeah. I have a box that I close and that allows me to write. So I'm opening it up. So stuff's coming out, but um in relationships that i've had that were volatile and unhealthy emotional and I, I don't raise my voice i don't yell i don't get toxic i'm really good about that but i'm always horrible at protecting myself because i think it's because I, it felt sick it almost felt good it felt um felt like i was back home right yeah so equally unhealthy for sure for sure but i just took it and I mean, took it for periods of time that just, if you, if you knew me, um, as the CEO, as the, you know, all the way that people quote unquote know me, you're like, that guy doesn't take from anybody. Mm. So untrue. So there was, there was, and I'm getting certainly better at it now from this new relationship, which is probably the better, the best I've ever had in my life or the best. It's because I started out after I'd worked on myself and I made it really clear the things that were important to me. And I asked. Mm. the things that were important to this person. And then if we had not agreed or if they didn't align, I would have not stayed in the relationship. In the past, that wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, It was just the more toxic, the better. I got this, I'll fix it on me. I'll take it because I, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. strong I, can, I can do it. Just keep dumping on me. Um, so, Yeah. And then what happens is again, failed relationship, failed relationship, of failed relationship. That's right. Failed rela and the, the common denominator is like, duh, it's me pay attention dude that's right and you know when i was i think i was 30 i was like i'm not dating i'm out of relationships mm. I, I i was living in indiana till i was 29 i packed up everything i owned i moved to oregon and i was just like i'm gonna go away and i'm gonna find out who i am without the chaos and the trauma and the, all the things that reminded me of childhood and i just spent years Dude, I was doing therapy literally three times a week for probably almost three years. Wow. Right. I was in groups therapy, men's group therapy, EMDR, CBT, like you name it. I wow. was doing everything. Not in the pursuit of like the world I live in now. Yeah, yeah, this was unexpected for you, for you. Because I was like, dude, what happened there? I was like, how many times are you going to keep doing this? Right. How many times are you going to keep being a terrible boyfriend, a brother? Uh, poor with your money. How are you going to make a million dollars and lose it? You're going to do that again. Right. Right. How many more times you're going to play this game? And I, I think one of the more difficult parts of this journey is like, as you're in this and you're reflecting and you're trying to step into the person you believe that you're capable of becoming is that you have to actually face the reality that like a lot of this is actually on you. Oh my God. Yes. And we live in a society that lacks accountability right now in this dangerous way where we, you and I have every right in the world to point at our upbringing sure. and being like, yeah, right, sure. Why, why would I not have a different life? Right. And people would justify it and say, and, you're right. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, like how the did you pull yourself out of all of this? 
like, like where did it start? Like for me, I'm, let me give you a little context. Yeah. Cause I think I can yeah. go a bit deeper with you. When I was like eight years old, mm. I used to have to steal water mm. literally. Cause we were that poor and I would be like this, I'm getting rich. And then I got rich right. and I lost it all. Mm. And, but there was always something in me that wanted something different. Always. Was that in you? Since day one. What does that mean? So there's a story that I don't even, I don't know if I've ever even shared it. Um, dark, but I'll share it because it's, it, when someone says to me, when did you change your mind? Like, how did you, for some reason, you'd have those moments, yeah. right? And so I was probably six, seven. So I make my sister four years younger, two, three. And it's not that the things like this were uncommon, but this one sticks out to me. So my stepfather put myself and my sister in a closet for three days, three days. And it was one of those closets with the slots. So you can't necessarily see in, but you can certainly see out. And so for two and a half, three days, um, he just brutally raped and tortured and beat the shit out of my mom in front of us. No food, no water, pissing in the in the closet type deal and not a lot of options but to but to kind of watch and um i can remember just so clearly as you would imagine the tv and i i i remember watching things like you know lifestyles of the rich and famous and uh the brady bunch and for some reason i'm sure there's certainly more to this but i locked in on the fact that this is what's happening to me i don't know why i know that like inherently, I know this is wrong because it doesn't feel right. And I locked in on the TV. And it was kind of my a metaphor for there is another world out there that can be happy. There is another world out there where the, things can be better. And as silly as that sounds, uh, it stuck with me. And so, yes, I, on top of that, the me wanting to provide for myself, it was an, an unhealthy desire to be powerful which is why I found the gym, and to be rich so that I never had to worry about anything. Both of those things started out as very unhealthy pursuits, certainly gave me the fire to achieve in a, on a really high level. Um, and luckily, over time, I've been able to um, clear the deck on that a little bit and start pursuing those things for a more healthy reason. Um, but to your point, exact same thing. It was completely out of spite and fear and I, I just wouldn't, I didn't want that ever again for my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's, that's powerful. And unfortunately you and I have that in common too. You know, my stepdad would lock us in closets constantly, bash my head against the wall, throw me in the closet. And like, just, out, it was almost like a game to him. Sure. And he would do this thing where he'd flick me in the head, Yeah, you know, and it was like all these little torturous games. Yep. And, and one control. day. Yeah. It is Power, control. control. It's weak men being weak men. That's right. Right. Cause dare that man to step to a man like you or I right. be a very, very different experience for him. Of course. And, and you look at that and there's, there's a part of me that, that drive, look, I don't think people talk about this enough. I've got massive dark energy, of course, like massive. And it is what has been able to pull me through sure. on the days where I'm like, I want to give up on myself. That's I right. don't give a f about life. I'm going to go and destroy the world. Cause Honestly, Derek, even being the trauma coach guy and writing the books and the podcast and all these things, yeah. dude, there's days where I want to burn this down. Everybody's got those days. And the thing that I remind myself of as I go back to those moments where I'd made those commitments as a kid and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. 
And this is what, what I want to get into is I think that a lot of people will make commitments to themselves and have made commitments, even at that young age. Sure. And they can't pull through to make it happen. This is where I'm leading. Like, where does it, like, how are you able to do this? Because people ask me all the time and my answer is very simple. I'm like, I just refuse to not do it. I don't know what else to do other than to just keep going forward. Yeah. I'm like, where does that aspect of like, I'm actually going to do it. Cause a lot of people have the conversation in their head. Yeah. 2% of people take the action. Yeah. I guess like you, I don't know how not to, because as a kid, you did, I didn't have the option. I didn't have the option to say, I, I don't want to experience this. I mm. don't want this to happen. There was no option. And so, like you said, on days when you don't want to do or days when you don't want to, A, the place we came from really turns down the volume and what other people find really stressful. True. And so for me, I, for whatever, I really operate at my best in turmoil. When, when people are freaking out and going wrong, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm yeah. at my best. That may not be the healthiest thing. It has served me very well. But because I would have quoted to, uh, equate it to almost like PTSD, which I'm sure I had. For sure, in hindsight. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I remember like symptoms and telling like doctors and they didn't know what the hell it was. They thought something was wrong with me. You know, sounds that were soft being really loud and I'm in class and you become overwhelmed and no one knew what it was because no one knew what was, what was going on. But yeah, I think that's what it comes from. I never had an option as a child. So as an adult, you just, you just do it. Mm. And there are days today, even not today, but there are days in my life still where, like you said, Sometimes you get overwhelmed. Sometimes you get stressed out. But it, I've still got that in me that, okay, I, I don't have that option. You just kind of keep pushing through. And that's not the greatest explanation. People are like, okay, well, how do I apply that to my life? I don't necessarily have that answer. Um, but like you, that's really the best answer I can give. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how to apply it to my life other than applying it to my life. That's right. You know, and it's yeah. like, I'll, I'll sit. And I, I think one of the things that's been really beneficial for me is like the journal. I mean, mm, it's my okay. best friend. And I just, I sit and I write all the time. I'm a writer first. Before the podcast, before yeah. the coaching, I was writing books, right? Or, and I was writing blogs and I was writing, you know, to myself. And even as a kid, it was like my mechanism. Hmm. And it's like, I just kind of like look at a potential of a future, right? I, I'm big on visualization. Agreed, me too. And I just look at it, I go, okay, I'll give you a great example of this. So, and I've shared this story before, but you'll, people who haven't heard this will understand um, three years ago, Grant Cardone invested into Think Unbroken. Hmm. Grant Cardone does not give people money. I would agree. Right? <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> and what happened, Derek, is I had to go in front of 10,000 people mm. and pitch in a Shark Tank style environment, competing against 10 other companies. I crushed every single one of them. Of course. Because I had seen it in my head a mm -hmm. hundred thousand times. Sure. That moment. Yep. But people see that moment and it's almost like they're terrified of it. Yes. They're terrified of the potential. Cause here, here's how I think about life. Life is all about like closing the gap in your identity. Here's who you are today. Here's the person that you want to be. And everything in between is the mindset shifts, the actions, the showing up, the doing it when you're scared, the being, having a good com community, working hard, showing up the whole nine. And it's like, how do you make people do this side, right? Like, this is what I'm always thinking about. Yeah. And for people like you and I, I think it almost becomes predilectually natural because I don't have another 
option. That's what it is. Yeah. And I struggle with the same thing because I think like you, I, I know that if I can have what I have and I, I can do what I've done, I, and I, I'm not just saying this, I believe that anybody can, but it is frustrating because you can't, you can't, you wouldn't want to give them what happened to us. No, never. And it's very difficult to verbalize how to do the things that we do because, well, we just do them. But I, that's been a part of this new journey for me doing speaking engagements stuff is trying to verbalize the things that I've just been doing my entire life that have mm. gotten me here. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is very far, especially with friends and family, when you're trying to get them past that, um, their hurdle, their hump, their, whatever it is they think is in their way. It's really, it's, it's frustrating because as you said, it is, and people, I almost feel silly when I do it. People, I know people are like, okay, sure. It really is as easy as I'm a huge visualization. Same thing. Anytime I'm going to get on stage, anything I've got something up, I, I am, I am, it is, I've already done it, like you said, a hundred times. I've already seen the people clap. Like my subconscious already has done it, knows the outcome. And then I'm almost on autopilot because mm -hmm. it's almost like watching a movie. And so, but if you try to explain that to other people, like, I don't, do you, how, how, I have a, Real time, I'm having a thought that I yeah. think you're connecting dots that I've never connected about why visualization works for me. Mm. When I was a child, I watched Rocky probably a hundred times. It's my favorite movies. It's my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. that, it's tied with The Matrix, right? Yeah. But I would watch Rocky all the time, all because yeah. it always came on like regular TV, sure. and like you'd have to sit through the commercials yeah. and all that. But I always just envisioned myself like being Rocky. Sure, always. Do Do you think that I've never put this together? But I'm curious, mm. do you think that like that childlike imagination of seeing shows like the lifestyle of the rich and famous, mm -hmm. et cetera, like made you more imaginative? hundred percent. I, I, TV raised me. Same. I mean, TV raised me for sure. Rocky, you know, Rocky's an analogy for life, right? For sure. Of course, anyone that comes from nothing, we all are like, I'm that guy. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm getting the beat out of me, but I'm going to keep getting up. Right. Mm. And then, and then eventually he beats Apollo. I mean, it, it's what our life is, was right. But yes, I believe a hundred percent that the, uh, the TV was a massive influence and created, like you said, a massive imagination in me. And so even as my grandmother on, on the other side, uh, until she passed a couple of years ago, she always tell the story that when I came over, I would pronounce to everyone on that side of the family, and this is like seven, eight years old. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Listen to this. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. I'm going to move to Florida, which I did do, and do all these things. And of course, people, and my grandmother always found it fascinating. And then, um, of course, it ended up happening the day. Uh, so, I, so I turned 20, 22. I got and left, went to Florida, which is 20 years ago, 21 years ago. People are like, are you, are you going to retire? <laughs> like, no one moves to Florida at 22 years old. Like, what the hell are you doing? But it was all because, I swear to God, I had that image in my head. And if I think back to like Lifestyles Were Famous, 
it wasn't Florida. It was probably LA, but I saw palm trees and I'm like, that's Florida. Yeah. That's where rich people go. That's what I'm doing. And I did. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. It's so funny you say that because tomorrow, the, the big part of the opening part of my my speech is encouraging people to to think like a kid again. Mm. Like what? I love that. every Like we, as kids, anything was possible. We always asked why. We always asked what if. We always, we, we wanted to do all these massive things. And then, and then this horrible thing happens. Everyone tells you you're being silly. Everyone tells you it's not going to happen. Conform, stay under the radar, um, you know, shrink your goals, all of this. That never happened to me. I'm still as inquisitive and creative and actually delusional as I was when I was eight years old. And that's a goddamn good trait. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just, you're part of the herd, man. I agree. Well, but it's safe, man. Yeah. You look at, look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Look at Tony Robbins' six needs for human life. Like they're basically the same thing, right? But you look at it and like comfort equals safety, yeah. right? Ultimately, and with most people, it ends up in unhappiness. Of course it, well, no, I'll, I'll take it a step further. It ends up them on their deathbed dying with regret. Regret. Agree. And, and that being the thing where I'm like, dude, well, what the f are you here for? Like, here's what I think about. And, and this might be my own insanity. Like, mm. there's a level to me, Derek, where I'm fucking crazy. Like, I know I am, right? But it's the thing that has kind of like pushed me through. Sure. Because when I was 25, I'm working for a Fortune 10 company. I'm making 150, 200 grand a year, mm -hmm. no high school diploma, no college education. Nobody does that, no. but I believed I could. That's right. And one day I'm sitting, I'm talking to my best friend and I tell him I'm quitting and I'm going to go start this business. Do you know what he tells me? Crazy. He goes, You're crazy. Right. You'll never make this much money again. Isn't that statement a blessing with people like that? I love it when people tell me that. Well, here's the thing. I, I wish more people would tell me I can't do because it really fires <laughs> That's what me I mean. up. It's a blessing. You, know? you can't do it. Thank but, you. But it was it, it made me realize two things. One, if I listen to him, I'm not with you right now. Now, this wasn't the business I started mm -hmm. 13 years ago, but it was the first business I needed to fail and learn from to be able to me right. to step into creating Think Unbroken. Yep. And then when I look at what I envision as this ideal lifestyle, like. I get to speak on the biggest stages in the world. I have written a couple of great books, mm -hmm. one of them being a bestseller. I'm working on the third one right now. I have amazing relationships with my friends and family. I, you know, as crazy as it sounds, was on a Times Square billboard twice last year. Isn't that crazy? And I live in a little condo and I drive a little Ford and I don't want all the things that most other people want, but I'm happy. Yeah. And I make more money now than I ever made ever then. Yeah. And the thing that I, I think that people get trapped in is their community. Mm. You said something before we started recording, and I want to tie into it because it was, it was powerful because it is just such an important reminder to question one thing. Who the fuck are the people around you? Sure. You said that you're in this weird thing that's happening in your life right now where you're surrounded by great people. Yep. What is that like for you and what was it like before? Uh, I, I was getting what I kind of deserved. What does that mean? Um, because I hadn't unpacked all of my um, I, I attracted what I was secretly attracted to. I was uh, attracted to toxic, attracted to unhealthy, because it allowed me to be that little boy that couldn't protect his mom 
and now I can. And so when I unpacked all of that during that COVID time and really got into my and let go of all the, I became the best version of me. And I think we, I don't know if we've already said this, maybe it was out in the kitchen, but um, it, I then started to attract people that wanted to also wanted to add value to my life because it was clear that I was trying to add value to my own life. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's when you say it, it sounds so obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me at the time. Yeah. It wasn't. Now, that being said, I was doing tons of good for other people at a time where I was doing no good for me, mm. but it didn't seem to change the outcome, which is crazy if you think about that. Meaning I had, I had a national charity. I was buying homes for people. I'm, I'm probably one of the more generous people you will ever meet. My greatest joy in life is doing for other people, and it always has been. But I, and this is a I suppose statement, I suppose because I didn't even really like myself. I was doing the things that I thought I, that would make me feel better, but you can't feel better if you don't address the shit that you've got. Once that shift, I was still attracting negative people. I was still getting negative attention. I was still having the family and friends and people that I was helping still ostracize me. You're not giving enough and you're not doing this. As soon as I changed an internal narrative and did the same goddamn things I had done for a decade, everything changed. I think that's important for people to hear. And it's still hard for me to even believe mm. like, like outside of a bubble other than to say it's so true. Not much like an outward of things that I was doing changed. And yet when I changed myself internally, the result that I got was so massively different. What was the narrative change? Um, instead of, I want to make everybody else happy and feel as good as they can, it was, I need to make myself happy. And I need to make sure that no matter how much good I'm doing or bad or doing nothing, that I am the one that feels good and happy first. And that changed everything. And it wasn't like a one day shift, sure. right? Because a lot of things in my life probably like you, I make a decision, I, f- I call it the light switch. I've got a light switch. If I'm sad and something horrific just happened and then I need to change, I just go like that and I'm locked in. And so I had to stop tricking myself and really accept the fact that despite the fact that I had achieved everything that I wanted as a little boy, how could I have ever known what I really needed as a little boy? And so I sat in myself for the better part of a year as a man and reflected on what I thought I needed, what I knew my shortcomings were. I'm really good at recognizing the things that I should be doing, recognizing the things that I'm not doing, and then at the same time not doing them. And so I've, I think I have the intellect and the introspective, I'm introspective enough or always have been to know what I needed to do, but I just needed to do it right. Yeah. And you have to do it for yourself first. Yourself first. Yeah. That's why I wrote the second book, Eight Steps to Healing Your Inner Child. It's right here. And I Mm. wrote it. One of the the parts in the book talks about very, very specifically, do what you need to do for you first. And, and that's because one of the hardest things that we do, most people don't recognize that a big sign of childhood trauma and abuse is codependency. Oh my God. Yes. Where you're like, please, for the love of God, like me, I will do whatever it takes. hundred percent. And it never works. Agreed. And then you have to be able to get to the place where you like you. Agreed. One of the things though, I I think, and I want to go into this a Mm. bit, we, we chase is this, 
this idea of happiness. Mm. People say this all the time. They're like, I want to be happy. Mm. And I'm like, what the <laughs> f does that even mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. So what does it mean for you as someone pursuing it? Um, I don't, oh, what a great question. I don't know that you can pursue happiness. I think we're all born, no one's born with pain and, and anger and turmoil and issues. So I think it's always there. It just becomes, in our case, is suppressed, beaten down, hidden. We, we almost, uh, go back to my box, I'm a visual thinker, right? So I use these type of thoughts. I put my happiness in a goddamn box, I covered it in cement and just put it away so mm -hmm. that it couldn't get destroyed forever, right? And so you just have to, I think you, you have to allow it, which sounds really, at least for my mind, when I wanna keep going with this, I had to allow myself to be happy yeah. because I was so afraid that if I did, it would be taken away again. Mm. That's one of the things I think I did during that time period. I just allowed myself to just, whatever came, to let it keep coming. Mm -hmm. For the long, I'm goosebumps. <laughs> For the longest time, and even still now today, I'll be honest with you, if I say something, if I say something meaningful, even if it's not like a, hey, you know what? really proud of what you've done, I, I would get teared up because I didn't, because my emotions were all mixed up and always so controlled. And so I just allowed myself to feel what came versus stop. That's happiness, stop. That's this, stop. I just, and it was hard, I mean, hard. I just allowed it to come and see what happened if I didn't do what I'd always done. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I always think about every day. You want, a lot, you want different life, do something differently. But allowing those emotions to exist when they've been tr literally trained and beaten out of you. Mm -hmm. Difficult. It, it's, dude, it's beyond. It's, it's beyond. It's beyond. I, I don't even think there's a word for there it. Isn't. You know, there was a, a period in my life, I didn't cry for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And my, my three best friends got murdered. My grandma died. Yeah. My little brother literally tells me, never talk to me again. Mm. Right? We've since held that relationship. We talk all the time, which is great. But it was like, I was just so shut down, man. Yes. And I'm, and I'm trying to find, like the only time I ever cried was when I was so overwhelmingly angry. Oh. Like in the first time it happened, I was so mad. Like it was, I went through this breakup. I'm like 29 years old and I'm getting ready to move to yeah. Oregon out of Indiana, blah, blah, blah. And I was just so mad at this other woman. I was, sh I was shaking Derek. It was like this. In just tears. And I was even trying to fight them back, yeah. but like my body yeah. was like, nah. But probably, probably like me, it wasn't crying. Like when people cry, their body's involved. Yeah. For me, it's just the tears. It was, come. that's exactly what it was yeah. for me. Yeah. And then now, man, it's like, dude, I'll watch a Disney movie and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you've evolved more than me. It's still a process for me. But to tie into that, because I don't have many regrets in life. Um, but one of them is my grandfather, um, and probably the most important figure in my life. Um, best friend in my whole world. Um, he passed. Uh, he lived in Rhode Island. He got Alzheimer's. I moved him to Florida for his last year or so, put him on a house in the water because he was a fisherman. And it was a great kind of time. And then he passed. And I was there when he passed and didn't cry. Mm. And then I had a moment. Um, and I, like you said, it was, there were tears for maybe five seconds. And then that was it. And then um, now when I think about it, I'm devastated by the fact that I wasn't able to be present in that moment. Um, but those are some of the things that come along with it, right? But those are now some of the things too that I lean into for reminders 
to stay in mm-hmm. how I actually feel. Because when you do that, you're able to serve your best need. That's right. Man, this is a hard conversation for people if they mm. don't understand the depth of sure. of what's taken from you as a child, mm-hmm. right? And I, I know that people listening have had similar experiences. Sure. Obviously, yeah, you sure. and I have as well. And and I look at this. I was actually, dude, it's so funny we're talking about this because just last night I was talking about how there is a space in which we need to allow men to be human beings right now. Mm. Because boys like you and I grew up to become men who chased money and girls and clothes and cars and mm-hmm. success and we worked out and blah, 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 blah. We can't cry. We don't have any emotions. Mm-hmm. We are. How many times in your life have, have you heard you won't connect to me? Sure. Right. Be more. Be present. Yeah. Be present. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, where are you at? And, and now we're having these beautifully powerful conversations, mm. but it's almost swayed too far it has. where we have hyper sure. emotional men. Right. And it's like, how do you find the balance? And it's like mm. last night. So I'm talking about this on, I was doing an Instagram live and it was my yesterday was very interesting. I wake up yesterday morning. I'm like, I'm going to go run this hill. That's up the road. It's very difficult, very demanding. It's 112 degrees outside at 9 AM in Vegas. I'm going to do it anyway. And then I'm going to go record two podcasts and then I'm going to have some team meetings with my companies and then I'm going to go do Muay Thai and then I'm going to journal and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to do yoga. And that was my day. So in the Good same day, God, I journal me feel bad about myself. <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of make that my, my day. on. So like on those days, it's like, man, I can go kick people in the face in a, in a safe space, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. right? Not on the streets. Yep. And then I can sit in my journal and meditation sure. and become present with myself. What, what do you think, and I'm looking at this just as a man perspective yeah. and, and maybe even a father perspective, since you have children yeah. and I do not, how do we, how do we give our boys permission to be fully evolved men and yeah. what do uh, they need to do? Well, I have two daughters. I know you do, which I know that, but you yeah. want those daughters, I would assume to yeah. be with fully evolved men. Yeah. Boy, what was the question again? That's yeah. a big energy. Yeah. Right. So how do we give boys the space to become men who are fully capable of being emotional, but also being leaders, but also being physical and also being in tune and present and, and as men can be? Yeah, I don't, certainly don't know that I have the answer to it. I will say that because my grandfather, that's important because he's obviously a different generation, raised me with a lot of old school kind of morality. I do have certain old school beliefs in some ways. Sure. Um, but I do, I, I, I think I knew that. Um, my hope would be, not hope, so I like to say in a bubble, which of course we never live in a bubble, right? So in a bubble, absent any bad things that happens to a young man in childhood, and absent any outside noise, like things that are going on right now where there's these narratives that maybe push and sway, as just a human being, I think organically you can become what you should be. Now, no one lives in a bubble. So I don't know the answer other than to say, I think it comes down to absolute parenting. And so for me, with two daughters, I can't control the men that they end up with. And I nor would I ever want to control my daughters. But what I can do is try to demonstrate to my daughters what I believe a good man should be so that when they are faced with the decision, good man, bad man, healthy man, all that type of stuff, that they can make that decision for themselves. Um, I like. I love to say I'm. I'm raising two lionesses, mm. and so I also. I'm a little different as a parent. I don't care what my daughters do if they become multimillionaires or become a goddamn uh, barista at Starbucks. I don't care. I just want them to be truly happy, 
And so I don't necessarily push them into anything. I am a big like I push them into pursuing the things that really make them happy. My only my biggest goal for my daughters is for them to be with a man because they want to be, not because they need to be. Mm. And so I don't have the perspective on on the boy more so the the female. And so I don't know if that answered the question, but at least from my perspective, that's really I think. Yeah, I, well, I in, look. I think it's a difficult question, right? It is. Because it is. I I don't have children at all, right? And as I'm heading into almost forty now, and I'm looking at it, and I I think about my journey from mm. and boyhood to teenager to early twenties, sure. success and girls and clothes and cars. It's like, man, I wouldn't want to date me if I had daughters, and a, <laughs> my daughter dated a dude like me. I'm going to show up to his house with a shotgun i'm like don't you ever come to my house again <laughs> yeah. right you Which know would I mean? ensure her being with him forever 100 uh, they're gonna be married the next <laughs> the, the next day, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so i'm just always think you know what i'm what i'm attempting to do derek mm. is to mitigate the risk of other children having childhoods like ours yep and and a big part the mission of this whole thing mm. is to end generational trauma that's right. it yeah well, i want people because well, you can't stop them from having it that's you exactly help right and get out of it that's exactly right. And and I think the more that you help people get out, the more that it stops happening. So I, I, I think there's an exponential and compounding effect to that that's both yep. energetic and genetic over the quantum, yep. right? Where you, you, because of what you do in your life today, the conversation we're having on this platform, knowing that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to listen to this, yep. and perhaps you planted a seed in something that you said today, yep creates this ripple effect that you and I cannot even begin to fathom. Agreed. Which means that on a long enough timeline, way longer than you and I are going to be here, it. people will pick up my book. Right. And they're like, why would I read this? Yeah. In generational trauma? This is, what is that? Yeah. You're, you're doing that. It, well, so that actually triggered something in me and here's something, I, and maybe you can add some light to this. So you and I both know that when you come from places like we have, it's, are more typical you and i would have end up as abusers that's actually where i was going please go ahead right and so the fact that we didn't a means you would be an exceptional father because you go one way deep or you go the other way deep great and so i've been asked in the past how did you how did you know how to be a father and i said well i just did the opposite of what it done which sounds kind of crazy but what it, what it meant was and i still do i tell my daughters i love them an annoying amount like it's ridiculous right um because i never had that yeah um even as children um now they're getting taller when there was a situation where you don't touch this i would always get down on a knee and talk to them like this which seems like a small thing but i never wanted my daughters my children to feel scared of me when mm. i was talking down to them and these are things that i want to think this is important i i never did therapy never read a self-help book. I, I didn't do any of the work that I should have. So I don't know how I worked through it other than just trial and error and working it out. But there was a part of me that just inherently knew, well, I knew how I didn't want to feel, mm -hmm. right? And so I just leaned into making sure my children felt the way that I wanted to, which maybe is the greatest guiding principle you can have as a parent, right? Yeah, I think so. It, yeah. Look, dude, people tell me constantly I'd be an incredible dad. There's no doubt. I hear it all the time, constantly. Yeah. I just haven't found my woman. Yeah, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. And and the thing that I I come to, you know, as as we continue down this path a little bit deeper, is, you know, you look at 
who you've become as a man and who I've become as a man. And many of the people have healed in this journey who have become incredible humans, right? And I'm not saying you don't have to be rich and famous to be a great human. Right. That's not what I'm right. saying. So Which, by the way, my, my success as a minister has nothing to do, in my opinion, about me being a good Could person. not agree more. Right. Because I know a lot of millionaires and billionaires who are assholes. You're damn right. You're damn right. And so, and I know people who make 30 grand a year who are the, the best people, people on earth. A hundred percent. Right. And so I don't think money, money is just a tool. I, I never want to factor that into these conversations. But what I, what I think about though, is like, there's this transitional period in, in becoming right, where you're able to actually sit and look at yourself and, and then look at your past version of you. And you're like, that doesn't even feel remotely like who I am today. Mm. And, and in that, I think that's where freedom exists. Well said. Because in that, that's where you now have started to change this generational curve. But you said something that, that's so important. Where your siblings are yep. is a very different place than where you are. Sure. And I was heading down the path very similar to your siblings, sure. running from the cops, getting shot at, being in handcuffs all the time, mm -hmm. putting myself in massively precarious and dangerous situations. And yet, just making small, some of it's luck, Derek. Of course it is. That's some of it's beginning, luck. There, some of it is luck. There's no doubt. There, there, I'll, I'll never, ever forget this, man. The day my best friend got arrested, mm. I was supposed to be in the car with him. Sure. And it just happened to work out that I wasn't. Right. And had I been in that car that totally day. Totally different life, probably. We ain't here, buddy. That's right. Because I'm in prison for life with a kilo of cocaine in the back of a truck. There you go. Right. right. And so like, I know luck plays a factor, but mm -hmm. so does like this uh, resilience of wanting more. Yes. This is always a hard question because we don't live other people's lives. Why do you think that your siblings did not have the similar outcome? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I was, and I, I don't know if I was born with it or what, but I, I certainly developed a resilience that saved my life mm. and i don't i don't know how maybe it, my i was just wired differently there's no rational explanation for why three people or two people that come from the same environment experience the same things have totally different lives right there, there's just really no explanation and i certainly don't want to say that i am in any way better than, than than my sibling and so i i don't know is it is it genetic makeup? Is it that I, my father versus their father because they weren't the same? I, I don't know any of those answers. Um, I just know that it destroyed them. My sister's gotten better. Wait, mm, she she came out of prison, changed her entire life, found God, and is an amazing mom. Love and, that. And, um, but uh, it was a journey for her. For me, I don't I don't have that answer. And I don't know that I want to call it luck because it was certainly more than that. It was certainly a battle every day of my life to get through it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Something in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's the same way I, I chased money and my brothers were dirt poor. Yep. You know? Sure. And, and, and not because of any of their own wrongdoing, mm -hmm. just something in me. I figured out how to navigate business at a very young age. Same. You know? And then it turned into like, I figured out how to write books and podcasts and yeah. then blah, blah. And I look at my brothers now, dude, I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Like it is unbelievable what they have been able to do. My, one of my brothers is getting ready to graduate the police academy. Yeah. The other one's you about to be a, to me, yeah. Yeah. The other one's about to be a firefighter. Dude, it's unbelievable. So great. My sister doesn't beat her kids. Yeah. It's like, we made these decisions. That's right. 
we were like this. Get it. Because, dude, I think part of it too is, and, and maybe this is what it is. Mm. It was just so bad for us. Yeah. Like it was just so incredibly bad. There was just no way we could possibly go down the other. That That's not it though, because you so, don't many, so, so. Many, so many other people go a different way and you know it. Yeah, it's true. And I don't want to take away from that response. Sure. Because, yeah. but I think it's more than that. And I don't know that it's something we can verbalize in my opinion. Yeah. You might be right. Yeah. Because it, uh, it, it, like I said, we were Joe, we, it's not ambition. It's not, and the word, I guess it's resilience, but that's not to say that the other people weren't resilient. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Might be have something we have to ponder on for a yeah. little bit because yeah. it's definitely something that I think about a lot because it's like, I, there was just a, you're talking about that switch. Yep. That's what happened to me at 26. Yep. It was just a switch. Yep. I was Done. Like, I was like, this money, yep. these cars, I'm tired of these women. I'm tired of being 350 pounds and fat and dumb. Oosh. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, oh, maybe you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and I was just like that switch hit and it has carried me to this moment mm -hmm. and, and it continues to propel me. And I think, to be honest, maybe this is the same thing that happened to you four years ago. Mm -hmm. I was just tired of myself. That's it. I've had that a couple times in my life though, but yes. What? what? All right. So then maybe if that's the solution, yep. does it require rock bottom for you to be tired of your to create change in your life? Or can we mitigate 100%. that? Unfortunately, what's that? What's the expression? You, your situation has to be so bad. It has to be worse than the comfort mm. of your current condition, right? And so I didn't have to hit rock bottom by other people's standards but I got so goddamn sick of what I had that I just said, and it almost feels like a decision, like literally like this, because the second I made that decision, I can think of a couple of times in my life that it happened. That was it. Yeah. Like you said, done. Like almost like cold turkey. If you're an alcoholic or you smoke, like that's it. It's done. I've decided. Now, again, you can probably track that back to our earlier lives. Um, and whether, again, how do we have that ability and some people don't maybe everyone does i don't i don't have that answer right yeah 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 i don't either i don't i don't know where it comes from but i do there is that moment there is where i was just like man i'm done just done because it can't get worse than this yeah i mean it probably could if i killed someone or yeah. i died well, sure. like that's the worst case but i mean there there's a lot of evidence to support i was tracking towards that sure well, one of the things i think about a lot is this concept of like legacy mm. right which is a, a weird dichotomy in my life. Cause on one hand, I'm a complete nihilist. Mm. I do not believe that most things matter. And it gives me like permission to like go and do crazy. Sure. Cause I'm like, like we're going like to die. Cause we're like, we're going to die and nobody's going to remember my name in 50 years. Great. Right. Yeah. And on the other hand, I'm like every single moment of every day matters so much. It's not even funny. Right. And so this is the dichotomy I live yeah. in which kind of leads down to this path. Now looking at your life and being the man that you are, does legacy play a role in the impact that you want to leave in the world? I think legacy now has a different meaning. I always thought legacy was uh, dollars and cents. I always thought legacy was how many companies can I build? How much big of an enterprise can I leave my daughters? How much money am I going to stack up? All of that stuff. Now, that's still a big part of my life, but for a different reason. And now I know that that has nothing to do with my legacy. When I'm gone, my legacy is my children. Mm. I think it's everybody. It's the, only, it's the only way you live on, right? It's the only way. Yeah. Um, and no one's ever going to come and, and talk to my daughters. And, and, and your father was such a great man because he was, it's never going to happen. Yeah. But what I know 
is that, or what I hope, things that I've been doing through my entire life and now more than ever is trying to make an impact. And part of that is opening up all of my failures in exposing um, my pain in hopes, like we just talked about, that it can impact anybody, really anybody, right? And so, and you probably get it way more than I do. because I've only talked about this even loosely in one other like post or something like that. I get so many people reaching out um, in such a meaningful way that it really encouraged me now to try to uh, lean into it even more and lead with vulnerability. Because when people look at the same me, but if people look at anybody that they consider to have any level of whatever, money, notoriety, um, there's a gap between them. And I don't think that real value can be exchanged if you don't actually know what that per- who that person is. And so right, wrong, or indifferent, I, I hope that that's what my legacy is, is that I became, against all odds, transparent. I gave the world who I was. Um, and through my daughters, I, th- I think that's what my legacy. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And vulnerability is a cornerstone. Yes, which, at, is, which is not easy. No, it's at not. All time. It gets easier. Yeah. It gets and, easier. And I, I think it starts with you coming back to that point about yeah. honesty yeah. and, you know, being a, a public figure, like people say, how can you share those stories publicly? Isn't it hard? I'm like, I've healed all those things. Yeah. There's almost zero impact of the things I share. But at the same time, there, there's things I will never, ever, ever share on this microphone. Yeah. They're just too dark. Yeah. Right. But I, I think about vulnerability and being a great man. And there's been many, many great men who have sat in that chair mm sat with me in these moments and dude, you're, you're one of the top and I, I appreciate you greatly. Appreciate that. Um, before I ask you my last question, mm. where can everybody find you and learn more about you, brother? Um, so, I mean, my, my biggest kind of platform right now is Instagram. It's just my name at Derek Fay or any other platform at Derek Fay. Uh, still seems weird to me if I'm doing this for so long, where can they find you? Like <laughs> social media. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Here's my phone. Number. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but listen, you know, I, again, I, you know, um, I, I'm doing what I've always done. I have nothing to sell. I really am trying to just, uh, we're just trying to just turn the camera and, and kind of see what comes from it. And so far, it's been a really exciting ride. Lots of great feedback. I, you know, I never thought social media could be philanthropic. Mm. And, I'm, and maybe you've even heard me talk about this before. Uh, I'm finding such joy in spending really a disproportionate amount of time answering DMs from people. Same. Sometimes it's about business and sometimes it's about life and people that they hate their lives or this. And it takes such a small amount of effort and time on a one-to-one basis. And I don't know, it's, it, I, I'm feeling really rewarded about the, the direction of my life right yeah. now. Yeah, I love that, man. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show yeah. to fully support that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I do, I, I've probably coached about... 50 to 70 people a month for oh, wow. free. Wow. For Good zero dollars. I'll, I'll do a 10 minute coaching call with anybody yeah. in the world at any time. Good for you. Right. And and it's that same thing because it's like, man, whether they come into a coaching program or they buy a, I don't give a f- dude. Right. The mission is the mission. Mm, Good for you. Right. My last question for you, my friend. Shoot. What does it mean to you to be unbroken? Mm, and I knew this question was coming too, and somehow woefully unprepared. Mm. What does it mean to be unbroken? It means to me that for the very first time in my life, I get to be 
the boy that I didn't get the chance to be. And so for me, I feel I'm now living the life I was meant to live. And that has reached out to every inch of my goddamn life. And because of that, the people in my lives, my life uh, are also happier. Man, powerful. Thank you so much for being thank here, you, brother. brother. I appreciate it. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. It means the world to us. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And remember, every time that you share this, you're helping other people end generational trauma, transform trauma to triumph, breakdowns to breakthroughs, and other people like you be the hero of their own story. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful powerade body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.